It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Brother, do you know Chevy K from Crossing Broad? Uh, I do not know him, no. Well, I know who he is. Anyway, it's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Thursday for you. Maybe you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday, perhaps a couple of uh, games to talk about. There's a, a lot going on in the early part of the season. And so I wanted to be a little bit more active and, and try to get something out once per week, but I don't want to burn through all my guests, uh, you know, right away. Cause we're going to try to try to pace ourselves here. So I figured I'd get back to doing uh the mailbag podcast that I was doing last year and the year before and try to focus a little bit more on your questions, because I think what's, what's, what happens sometimes is I solicit, um, you know, questions for the podcast and then we have a guest on and we talk about all those topics. And then I get to, uh, the point with the, the questions where I go over them and then I found out that I've answered everything already. So, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of redundant, you know, to go back over everything again since we've already talked about those. But I wanted to make that kind of the focus for uh, for today, for this one, and we'll keep it short. But I wanted to make sure we talked about the Champions League games and uh, Miami. We can just throw in the dumpster, no big deal. Um, I'm not worried about that at all. They went down there, they laid an egg, um, and, you know, like we said on the last show um, when Peter was on, they, they had a similar start in the league when they were uh, in the Champions League a couple of years ago, right? You remember they started out, I think, with a law, like a draw and two losses, right? So I think they only had one point out of nine. And we all saw how that ended up working working out for them anyway. I mean, they got to the to the conference finals. So so I'm not too worried about that. Um, the focus for me is more on the Champions League at, at this point. I think if you want to be disappointed, though, sure, you can say that the starting lineup didn't play didn't play very well knowing knowing I'm sure they went into that knowing that they weren't going to be playing everybody not named Kai Wagner and Andre Blake and Jack Elliott that they weren't going to be be playing in um, El Salvador so I think when you put that into the equation you can be more legitimately disappointed by it for sure you know if, if Jim rolled out the starting 11 again against Alianza and they had laid an egg in Miami and they were you know caught looking ahead to Champions League I get it you could give them give them a pass for that maybe but if you want to be justified in and being and feeling negative about how the starting lineup performed, knowing that there was going to be eight guys rotated in in, in El Salvador, then I think that's more more than uh, more than justified. So I, I guess my just takeaways, real quick from from the game, you know, they brought eight guys in, and um, you know, I thought the three major acquisitions via trade over the offseason, I thought they're all all solid. I thought Damian Lowe. Joaquin Torres and Andres Perea did not look out of out of place at all. Uh, I thought Quinn Sullivan put in a shift. Uh, Nathan Harrier was fine, uh, at least defensively. Would have liked to see a little bit more out of him going forward. There was a ball that he played directly at the keeper um, late in the game where I thought they had a better chance to kind of cut that back and maybe get a shot on goal. Jesus Bueno, I thought, looked pretty good. Did not look out of place at all. Uh, the only reason they pulled him, I think Jim Curtin said, was because he had a yellow card. Um, you know, obviously the big topic was like the drop off from 
Karanzer Karan, uh, and Ua, and a lot of the questions were about Chris Donovan, so I'm not going to kill him right now. We'll get into that, you know, as we um, as we jump into. It. But my like takeaway thought, my overriding thought on the game was just that, you know, I think with Corey Burke, I think the uh, I think if Corey Burke's out there, I think the Union win one nothing, maybe maybe even two nothing. You know, um, all right. So let me look at uh, some of the questions that you guys hear. Um, this is from Sully. He says, at what point does uh, field conditions discussion? Does the field conditions discussion become an excuse rather than just a talking point uh, in San Salvador? Absolutely. It impacted both teams ability to play the game. Uh, Miami, maybe not perfect, but it shouldn't be an excuse. And um, like the cliff cliffs notes here is uh, like, obviously the field was shit in El Salvador and it looked like a cow pasture and there was just, you know, bad spots throughout. But Miami, I guess people were complaining that it was water. It was heavily watered before the game started, then maybe at halftime too. And that slows the ball down a little bit. It doesn't roll like you're used to it rolling. I think it's interesting because the union do play a, you know, you know, for, for a team that's a counter pressing defensive team that gets out in transition, you, you think like, well, they can probably play on any field because they can battle physically and junk it up and they're not too worried about the roll of the ball. But I think it's actually the opposite is kind of true because when they get out in transition and uh, they play those passes up to Ua and Carranza and Gajda gets rolling, you know, the role of the ball and the speed of the play is actually pretty important to what they do. You remember that ugly game in Charlotte, and then they went down and played in Atlanta, and they lost uh, 2 nothing. I guess, at the end of last year when they were chasing the shield. I mean, we complained about the turf. I complained about the turf probably more than anybody. But I thought that was legit because it just the ball just doesn't bounce and roll the, the way that it, it should typically, you know. So um, I get it. Both teams have to play on it, but it does impact the way that the, the union play. I thought in San Salvador – they did a pretty good job winning those battles in the midfield and, and, you know, pinging the ball off their head. It looked like volleyball for a little bit out there, you know? Um, I guess we all just have kind of raw feelings on that because of uh, the sod father and the absolute nonsense that we watched in the Super Bowl about three weeks ago, you know, where Hassan Reddick couldn't find his footing and everybody was uh, slipping and sliding all over the place there, you know? So now it shouldn't be an excuse, but I just don't, I just don't, I think the thing that bothers me about field conditions is that it's 2023, right? You know, I've got all this technology with artificial turf and synthetic hybrid stuff and, and, and whatnot. We're still having issues. I mean, the Super Bowl is the most watched event in the, in North America, right? And they can't even get the field right for that. So, you know, it just makes you wonder like, how, how is it that we're this far ahead and we're still having these issues with the field and CONCACAF, I guess I expect it, you know, you got a dog running on the field, and uh, biting the ball. You have like the 1970s, like a dangerous fence that has like metal shards sticking out of it. You got the cow pasture field, you know, so I'm not that surprised, but, but still it didn't make for a, an entertaining game really. They won zero zero, by the way, that was a victory. A scoreless draw was a victory. Christian uh, Kinsley says, do we need a more direct replacement for Corey Burke, a big body target that can physically punish the opponent later in the game when passing the ball on the floor isn't working. Yeah. I mean, in this game too, they weren't able to pass the ball on the floor from, from minute one. And this would have been a perfect Corey Burke game, right? Shady field, CONCACAF. He's played in these before. Andre's played in these before Damian Lowe, you know, as a quick sidebar, they really could have gone anyway with Damian because, he played in Miami last year. He knows that field down there. He could have been a good selection for that game, but he's also played these CONCACAF games for Jamaica. So he, he was familiar with San Salvador too. So I thought they could have gone in any, any direction with that. And I thought he was good, but I mean, that's really the story of the game, isn't it? It's Chris Donovan, you know, and I, um, you know, we've got, we've got the Ray Gattis rule on this, this podcast, right. You know, where we, 
you know, I try to avoid like turning it into sports talk radio where we're just obliterating a guy over and over and over again. But yeah, I mean, the truth is that Chris Donovan to me didn't look like he was ready for this level um, in the Allianza game. And quite frankly, like when he came off the bench this year, I didn't see anything from him that made me think, oh, he's ready for this, you know, uh, fourth striker behind Corey Burke spot minutes here and there. That's fine. But I mean, if he's going to be, I, I guess they see Quinn Sullivan is the number, number three. So, you know, if he's the number four, but you're going to have more minutes for him because of the heavy schedule that they're playing, then I don't, I, I just don't know if he's the guy. Um, and I'll give I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, playing with a mask sucks. Right. And I have no doubt in my mind that, that probably affected the free header that he, um, you know, that he had in the box and just trying to get that on target at all. I'm sure that that made a difference there. But when you look at his game, Chris Donovan's game, he had the first good opportunity when the ball was bouncing in the box and he whiffed, right? Blame the field if you want. Okay. Uh, the dive was egregious, right? Not only for the fact that the guy wasn't even close, to, the keeper wasn't even close to touching him but he was outside of the box too. So he wasn't going to earn a penalty. I don't know if he was thinking like, Hey, if I go down here, maybe I can get the keeper carded and, you know, have the ref look at it as a denial of a goal scoring opportunity. And, you know, we go, we go up 11, 11 to 10, 11 versus 10. Right. So I don't know if that was in, in his mind, but I thought he could have touched that ball past the keeper and then probably could have been, could have been through not maybe not through, but in a position where, um, he could have at least squared something back for a shot on an empty net. So that that was crazy to me. Then he had the free header after that that went into the stands. And there's actually another one, too. I don't know if you, you remember this from uh, the game, but he there was a defensive uh, set piece that the – there was a set piece that the Union were defending, and he shanked a clearance, and it rolled backwards into the box, and somebody else had to get a foot on it. So he almost he – almost, that could have gone anywhere, and he almost had a – put the ball on a platter for, uh, for the other team, you know? So, uh, Chris Donovan, not a, not a great game. I think people were wondering why they subbed out Quinn Sullivan instead of him. And my thought was just that they, they were going to use Quinn for Chicago. Right. You know, cause there wasn't any reason to, to justify keeping him on the field. Right. Um, that was the question that, uh, Silver Ray asked. He, he said, why was Donovan out there longer than Sullivan? I thought Chris looked good. Um, he probably had the best chances on the night, but I was surprised to see him still out there at the end of the game instead of Quinn. I do give him credit for that. I mean, look, you, you say that Chris Donovan fluffed a bunch of chances, but he he put himself in position to to have those chances in the first place, right? I'm not naive to the fact that like it, he doesn't, you can't whiff unless you're in position to take a shot in the first place. You can't miss a free header unless you wriggle free and and find room, and you can't be in a position to dive unless you're out out in front and running on the ball. So, you know, I mean, we're hammering the Ray Gaddis rule early on here, right? If you say something negative about a guy, then you say something positive about the guy and, and go that way. So I, I will I will try to give Chris the benefit of the doubt in in that regard, for sure. Um, you can't miss a shot and you can't whiff and you can't dive if you're not in pos- position to do that in the first place. Uh, Richard McGovern, a little more negative. Uh, he says, is Donovan really on this roster? Yes, he is. Um, and he wants to know if Jonathan Tannenwald is a grand periodista, which I think means big journalist, big J, good journalist. Uh, yes, he is, to answer the question. Um, Joe M. asks about Quinn Sullivan. He says, is he going to emerge as a scorer like he does for the U.S. youth teams, or does he not fit in Curtin's system somehow? No, I, th- I no, I think he does. I think he does. I mean, early on in Quinn's career, 
we we talked about him the same way that we talked about like Paxton, you know, Paxton Aronson and Anthony Fontana as being, you know, kind of like one of those tweeners who might not be perfect for the for the diamond, really. Um, you know, and they tried playing him as an eight. They stuck behind Gosh Dog at the ten. Is he really a forward? I think he's I think in this system this year, with this depth chart, I think he's a forward. Absolutely. I mean, if you're if you're asking me who I want off the bench when Ua and Carranza, you know, when one of those guys inevitably comes out around 65 or 70, I want to see Joaquin Torres and Quinn Sullivan as the first two options off the bench. More, much more so than Chris Donovan, for sure. And either you go to like a more Christmas tree-ish looking thing where Torres is kind of hanging back a little bit or almost, almost playing like a withdrawn forward or like a second striker just because I think he's got that skill. And you really only play with one true striker, but I think I think Quinn is is a is definitely a forward in this system. So I think that I think that adds some clarity to the situation. Whereas before, it's like, well, where the hell are you going to play him? He's probably a natural like Fontana, Roland Alberg kind of hover, you know, you know, in that like edge of the penalty box, maybe maybe area. But they just didn't have you know there was a log jam there because you had an MVP candidate in that position to begin with, so. Um, Billy says, what did you think of uh, Pereira, Andres Pereira in the midfield against Alianzer? Um, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good too. And he's got that – well, you know, it was interesting, I think, first off too. And, like, you look at the patterns of what they did in the preseason of of where they put Bueno and where they put Pereira. And I I think those – I thought those guys initially coming into the season were interchangeable. I thought Bueno, they may have played more as an eight and Perea, they could use him as a six. So in this game, they have Perea as the eight uh, on the right side, and then they have uh, Bueno as the six. And I thought they, I thought they both looked good there. He, he's got – Andres Perea has um, – I don't know if people are going to like this comparison or hate this comparison, but Andres Perea has a lot of Keon Daniel in this game. I know, I know. Like people might be like scratching their head because Keon scored like two goals ever for this team, and he played a bunch of games. And you know, he was like a shoe in on that team where everybody was calling for Cleberson and they were calling for uh, for Roger Torres. You know, but Hack kept starting Keon instead. Um, but he really has that languid kind of kind of style where it looks like he's almost uh, looks like he's almost coasting out there a little bit. Um, Olivier and Baizo has that a little bit like he's more of a strider and he looks like he's playing at a at a lower gear but it's not for a lack of intensity it's more that he's just like he kind of he's like a rhythmic kind of player like he feels he feels the game a little more I thought that was intriguing to to see you know he's definitely calm on the ball and he's got some talent you know um not gonna score you goals really but I think he's I think that's a good position for him um that sort of two-way box-to-box thing. I don't think he's going to give you as much as Bedoya going forward. Obviously not, but um, just very solid. And I, I didn't like, you know, admittedly I was only paying like half attention at some points in the game because it was just a, a CONCACAF ping-pong shit show. But I don't I don't remember him making any big mistakes. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, send me a DM or whatever, but I don't, I don't remember. There's no point in the game where I was like, oh, Perea, you know, like oof. I don't, I don't remember that off the top of my head. Um, a lot of people are asking about the dog. I would like to know what happened to the dog. I hope the dog is okay. Like, uh, I'm sure they just took him off the field and let him go somewhere else. But, but that was a good moment. Um, Scott says we're good. So why don't we play like we're good? 
Um, it sounds simple, but the attack against Alianza was completely disjointed the whole match because we rushed almost every pass or shot. We get into the final third and then we chill and we actually possess and find a seam. No, no question mark. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's, that's a good, well, that's a deep question. I mean, I think that field was shit and they were, they were looking to minimize damage anyway. So they were going to be a little bit more, the goal was not to concede. Right. And, and, you know, that's why when I looked at that starting lineup, I saw the rotation. I was like, well, I don't know about Donovan. I'm not sure about Sullivan up top. Um, you know, we'll see what Bueno can do, but that back line was solid. Back line was incredibly solid. And Andre Blake's back there. So I was like, I don't think Allianz is going to score. Right. I don't know if the union are going to score, but I don't know if Allianz is going to score either. If I wasn't a coward, I would have just smashed the under. You know, but I, I didn't know anything about the field conditions going into it. You know, um, I'm a little bit of a pussy these days when it comes to betting. I don't know. I, I used to have some patterns that I liked with the union, but now that they're good, there's not a lot of value on them anymore. I can't, I can't pick the union in under two and a half anymore. You know, it's like, cause they score goals now, but now we've got back, back to that pendulum swung to the other side. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they've got their system, Scott. It's just, um, I don't think anybody was going to play any kind of anything on that, on that field. You know, um, if you're asking like, Hey, do we need to counter press and do we need to concede possession? Do we need to play the same way when we have a lot of good players who quite frankly can possess the ball? Then, uh, that's a legit concern for sure. But that's more of like a macro level thing that we can maybe look into a little bit more as the season continues. Uh, EJ says, did you know that Fox soccer plus was still a thing two weeks ago? I had no clue. I, I had no clue. Um, I remember Fox Soccer Channel from back in the day. I had to pay like, what, $4 a month to get that. And that's how I watched David Beckham with the Galaxy, you know, 2007. I was living in my apartment in like Augusta. I was like, let me get Fox Soccer Plus so I can watch Red Bulls 5, LA Galaxy 4. You know? So that that was um, interesting, of course. Uh, B, BLH says, if the union lose to Chicago, is it Peter Andrews' fault? Jinx. It is his fault. Yeah, we'll blame it on uh, we'll blame it on him. Uh, the Jersey Jingler says, SOBs and Keystone cosplaying ultras uh, need to up their game. The band was absolutely the best thing about that shit show and better than the pitch invading doggy. What's up with the cosplay? Are the Keystone State Ultras cosplayers? I don't know. I've never heard that before. I don't know much about the SOB and Keystone dynamic, but well, it's true that there was a lot of noise and music and singing and whatever coming from the crowd, but the arena, the stadium was also only what, like 40% full. So SOBs and KSU show up and union fans show up. So say what you want about the atmosphere, but they, you know, in El Salvador, but they don't fill up their stadium for their team. So, uh, this is from Ryan. He says, with the amount of upcoming games and the U-20s, do you see the Union potentially adding another striker or any other position in the summer? I think they should add a striker. I wouldn't have said that they need another striker even going into the season. You know, Again, not to kill Chris Donovan, but, I mean, there's clearly a drop-off from Ua and, and Carranzer to uh, to Chris Donovan and Quinn Sullivan, you know? I mean, we talked about, too, so this is not any surprise to anybody. We talked about the importance of Corey Burke, you know? So, no, nobody should be surprised by anything that they see in this department. Mike says, how many chances would, would have been converted if you were on the pitch instead of Don? Uh, I'm not, I'm, I was a shitty center back who, uh, you know, crested in 2015, but uh, probably would have done better with the free header. I probably would have whiffed on that uh, shot attempt too. And if I didn't dive there, I probably would have hit a very weak left-footed cutback that would have been uh, 
would have been intercepted, you know. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he was just wasteful, you know, like wasteful with those chances. And I don't know, I don't know, maybe the moment was just too big for him. We shall see. Um, that's about it. I, you know, a lot of there were questions about the strike. That was the main thing was was Chris Donovan. You know, people asking about Chris Donovan, like he was not Landon Donovan. You know, that's for sure. And um, you know, I think that was probably the biggest biggest thing there. But but again, I, I, my takeaway is like zero zero. You're fine with that down there. You come back, they throw out the starting lineup. They should hammer that team at home. Olympia beat Atlas four to one in Honduras uh, last night, Wednesday night. So I think you're good. You're good there. I mean, I know people saying like, well, Olympia is good. I don't, I don't want to play Olympia. Like, yeah, but I, I don't, I'm not, their league is not as good as league MX. I'm not worried about Atlas being in like 15th place in league MX. Um, you know, for me, I think it's one of those things where I, I don't, I don't know, like watching that Olympia Atlas game, I don't know if the union would have given up some of those goals that, that Atlas did. You know, like that last one, the chip there and the center back not being in, in position to, you know, try to like like knife that ball out of there. I just don't – I don't see – I think Olympia is good. I, I don't want to take anything away from them, but I could see the union going down there and say they lose one nothing or something like that. Or they get a 1-1 or they lose 2-1. to one. I, I, I think that the – I think that's a, a a series where the union beat beat that team like 2 nothing, 3 nothing at home. Um I mean, a team that's captained by a 35-year-old Jerry Bankston is like I'm not I'm not afraid of them. Like like to be quite honest, you know, uh, Atlas is not like on a good run of form. They haven't been that good this year too. But I just I just think the thing of like, you know, they could get to. There's a scenario here where they could go to the final without having to play a League MX team, you know, which which would be which would be inc- incredible. You know, they'd have to go through LAFC if they get get out of their side. But but I think I would just rather have that path, you know, um, than having to go. Saprisa, Atlanta, Club America, right? Um, so that's that's what I think. I, you know, we'll see what happens in the return leg in Mexico. But I, I think that the Union hammer Alianza like two nothing, three nothing. When they come back, and then I think they're in good they're in good shape no matter who they get in the second round. So yeah, we'll see what happens with the uh, with the Chicago game. But I think they're in they're in good position, you know. I mean, they they lose Miami, whatever. Nobody should be surprised by that because that's the same pattern that they had in twenty twenty one when they were in the Champions League, and um, I think they're in okay shape. You know, not gonna not gonna jump off a bridge. We're not, we're not gonna do the Sixers thing. Like I promise you, what what we're not gonna do this year on this podcast or on Twitter or anything like that is be Sixers fans or be Eagles fans, and after every loss, you know, complain and say this person, this and this person. It's gonna be a long season. There's a lot of games the union fan base is much more pragmatic than the Eagles fan base and probably the Sixers fan base too. And so we'll, uh, we'll take it one game at a time and see what happens, but I think they're in good shape for the champions league and uh, we'll see what they do against Chicago. All right. That's it. Short podcast, but uh, something is better than nothing.